Hello, everybody, and welcome to another E5 podcast. I am your host, Paul Meenan, and it's uh, it's a new season, and it's uh, hopefully uh, a new batch of podcasts which you're going to enjoy or be enthralled by or be entertained by. Uh, we've got a lot coming up over the next few months, um, and today I have my usual tag team partners. No, not Axe and Smash of Demolition, but introduce yourself, lads. Hello, I'm JW. And it's me, David Watts, a.k.a. Sparky Ninja. Yeah, two guys in the electrical industry who just need a little bit of help levelling up, and that's what we're all about, isn't that right, lads? Yeah, if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> right, and today we are joined uh, by a new guest. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, my dear? Yeah, hello, uh, my name's Tony Belcher. Um, I'm a young female apprentice like out in the electrical field. I'm doing electrical installation for a commercial company that's quite local to me. Um, I live in Windsor, but we cover like a range of work sort of nationwide, I'd say. But more recently, a lot of my work's been around like the Reading and Slough area. Uh, okay. we did, it's like the Thames Valley Corridor, basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've gone out. We've, we've done a quite a lot up in Birmingham as well. We've got some bits up in Birmingham and out into London as well. Mm. I've been quite lucky. I've managed to stay sort of within about an hour's commute of my house. It's been quite lucky. Uh, we did a new build data center in Slough. That was a big eye opener for me. There's a lot of data in Slough. Wow. Uh, yeah, they literally the plot that they they like bought for this data center that we built within two weeks of us finishing this data center. Slap bang right next door to it. They're building another one right now. Mm. It's absolutely cool. crazy. Yeah, we delivered a training to them, um, isolation training to a data center in Slough a number of years ago. My old groups. So we do actually have a chap who has spent coming on the podcast soon, who spent the last, I think, seven or eight years commissioning data centers in Europe. But he's a UK sparky who, again, went up into supervising engineering yeah. and has been out abroad commissioning like uh, uh, data centers for um, certain companies like Microsoft and various yeah. other things. So we're working at a Microsoft campus at the moment. It's um, been another eye opener as well for especially on the electrical side of things as just a normal electrical contract of what we can and can't do. So mm -hmm. certain things they physically won't give us access to. So we've got a fuse board that we need to get to, to terminate a couple of cables in, but it's in a data center area. Right. Yeah. yeah, They're very they sensitive. allow us access for X amount of time on this day. If it's not done, you're going to have to wait another three months or something. <clears> to get do they have like special doors that you have to go through? Cause I did some work at the, um, at the PayPal data center, which was um, in a building co-owned by BP. And you had like one-way doors, but you had, to, it was like a chamber. So you go in and the door shuts behind you. And only then does it like scan you and the door opens in front of you. It was really um, weird. No, not in the two buildings that we're in, but it might be different for the other two buildings they've got, but we don't have access to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Tony, your second year apprentice, you'll yeah. get your, your, Earning your stripes doing commercial. Um, have you um, done any, experienced any domestic or, or, or heavy industrial? Uh, well, heavy industrial, you probably are with data yeah, centers. Sort of, yeah, on the, we are on the, 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 I suppose, the beginning of heavy industrial. We do every now and again, you do a day doing really heavy industrial type work. And then the next mm -hmm. day, it's like, oh, I'm just, just a commercial spark. You know, it's not uh, domestic wise, I've never really touched it. I mean, very wise, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know a lot of 
uh, people my age, like in my college class, some of them are only domestic electrical. And I, when I'm sat and they're the, the teachers are teaching us like how contactors work, how relays mm. work. And silly things like we the unit 104 we have to do as part of our course, obviously we have to spec like light fittings, sockets, uh, like for the fire alarm panel, it wanted a switch fuse spur. Half of my class didn't know what a switch fuse spur was, where they'd find it, what it's used for. So I, I, I explained it to them. I was like, this is where I use them at work. Or a rotary isolator. What's one of those? There was one up on the wall in my class, and I was like, that's a rotary isolator. You'd find it more in the, the, the commercial sector. You but know, I the... try to explain to them how how we I've seen us use it in like my line of work. That's that's the beauty of commercial because I mean I my my apprenticeship my first year was domestic, and then I went straight into the industrial commercial side of it. And yeah. the see here show is essential. So I remember when my first armoured I ever landed was a one eight five four core, and I remember then when we got onto armoureds. By the way, this was year two of college. When we got yeah. onto armoureds, we were told you'll never land anything more than the sixteen mil three core ever. And and I actually chopped chopped a piece of this one eight five which yeah. weighed a ton brought it in my bag and put it on the table and went there you go that's what i'm working on and i found the bigger stuff you work on the less fear you have of the smaller stuff yeah, however definitely. at some point you will get requested and required to do love jobs i, I call them love jobs privates whatever <laughs> yeah. you want to call them but the family will go tony can you please um can you come and do a socket and a light for your nan and it'll be there's no money it's you'll just go no, and no do. money and I'll tell you now, when you go into the domestic, it is, it's almost like another apprenticeship. So I would genuinely yeah. advise once you've learnt and embraced everything you can in the commercial industrial sector, yeah. go and embrace and learn the domestic sector because it's well worth adding that skill set to your um yeah. Definitely. I mean, I say a lot of people love or hate it, but it's one of those things that I think to be an all-round electrician you need to have experience in sort of all areas if you can can't you I mean if I'm given the opportunity I'll take it I'm never going to say no to anything I want to give everything a go and get experience in it at the end of the day I think especially if you're going to call yourself an electrician when we have the title domestic electrician yeah because we have obviously people who are trained to a very defined scope yeah if you're an electrician then fundamentally the assumption on most clients is that you would be able to perform that craft in any or most environment types so yeah. commercial industrial um so it kind of go it, it swings both ways doesn't it it does swing yeah. both ways with that the trouble with that being if i can just chip in um you're right <clears throat> the title of electrician i was always told you should be able to if somebody says go and put some power in here you should have the ability to know where to look go and uh, effectively select and erect inspect yeah. and test certify yeah. and hand it over and walk the the end user through what you've done yeah. the trouble is is what i've realized in my career was that's all fine and dandy but i was on jobs like uh, excel when it was being built in 99 okay so there were guys that were doing buzz bar trunking for a year yeah. solid buzz bar that's all yeah. they did for a year now after a year of just doing buzz bar trunking they know the ins and outs of buzz bar trunking better than anybody yeah. But if you yeah. then turn around and say, go and wire this 12 gang emergency lighting circuit with contactors, they're going to stand there and scratch your head and go, oh, blimey, I'm a bit rusty on this. Yeah. 
and that's no, one of the problems. It's the same sort of for us, really. I mean, the data and centre that we did in Slough. Luckily, when I got there, a lot of the containment was done. So I say luckily because I was off sick. I had to have a little operation and then I ended up having 12 weeks off sick. So when I ended up back on that job, all the containment was done. So I, I was just sort of let loose wiring. It was quite nice, actually. I was mm-hmm. just and that. And they just said to me, get this done, get a second fixed. I was like, sweet, let's do it. How are you finding in your learning? Are you being... Uh, mentored and taught and and critiqued and given advice and uh, yeah I mean, yeah the guy I'm with now he's brilliant because he's um he works for himself but he's subcontracted to us he's oh. related to my boss so he's you know he doesn't have to teach me what he's taught me so far but he's sort of doing it because he's like I want you to be the best electrician he's like if if you follow what I'm telling you and you sort of remember it and you do it the methodical way, then he was like, any mistakes that are made, he was like, if you can confidently say it wasn't you, then there's always, you know what I mean? There'll be another reason why the mistake happened. Yeah. But, um, teaching, teaching apprentices is very key. I mean, me and Dave last yeah. week, we saw, we, we, we met an apprentice, <clears throat> we saw an apprentice last week and we spent a good part of the day advising and teaching and mentoring. Yeah. And, encouraging and supporting them and giving them as much imparted knowledge around the work that we were doing and like if i'm not sure on something as well i will say to a couple of the guys around me how would you do this and a lot of them they'll be like well how would you do i'd say well i'd do it like this you know even for like wiring in singles sometimes through tubes everyone some people pull the cables at once. Some people prefer to do it in stages. You know, either way, obviously they say the more cables you pull through, like if you do it in stages, you risk burning the cables. But obviously when you try mm-hmm. the lube on it, sometimes it's easier than trying to pull all six, two fives or all six four mils through if we're pulling in rings and that. It's a real strategy to learn, isn't it? With cable yeah, pulling. and I always say, if I'm not sure of something and don't want to make, make a mistake, I just say to them, how would you do it? Even mm. for like, cutting and bending tray and bits like that I'm like how do you do this if you're manufacturing it or Mm. and if I'm not sure can you show me and it's sort of like if you show me I'll sort of do it at the same time as you're showing me and you can tell me if I'm going wrong or going right if I know if I can remember what I'm doing sort of thing it's also one of those things that I mean you you can be shown at college or told but you have to try it on the site and sometimes you've got to try it and do it wrong to learn why you shouldn't do it that way the amount of times I've gone oh no I've just cut the wrong bit again scrap that try again (laughs) but um yeah but that's the good thing about being an apprentice when you Mm, learn and and you've got the title of apprentice you can make some absolutely massive clangers the thing um, is, when I when I was, because obviously I was on a apprenticeship with my old man and my granddad, and I'd have ideas, and I'd be cocky, I'd go, I'm going to do it this way, and they're going, all right, <laughs> and knowing I'm going to balls it up, knowing yeah. I'm going to waste cable, knowing I'm going to have to spend more time to fix it, but they'd know I'd learn more if I would just do it wrong, safely, and feel embarrassed, yeah. and, sh- and then kind of go back and fix it. Instead of them telling me I'm wrong, because I'll object, I'll say, no, no, I'm right, I'll always yeah, argue I'm with sure. them, but um, they just let me cock it up. And I always remember the time I cocked it up over the time that I was told to do it this way because it's embarrassing and it just sticks in your brain. Yeah, remember it, yeah. Like every time, I like literally like every other armoured I've done recently, I've always forgot to cut the shroud first. 
I've gone yeah. ahead. I've stuck in, started making it off. I've got halfway for, to gland, just almost tightening the gland up and gone. Oh, uh-uh. Same with sealing, same with sealing roses and the pendants, the plug oh, and click roses, leaving yeah. the rose or putting the rose on backwards. I did yeah. that a couple of months ago. Don't worry, Tony. That always happens. Yeah. I did it a couple of months ago. That's why I bought oh, some yeah. storm glands and <laughs> yeah, yeah. changing no, for storm glands. No embarrassment yeah, for me then. The old fashioned glands. I have mentioned to like the guys at work that we use them, but I think the sheer amount that we order. I mean, we've gone through. We're ordering weekly about twenty gland packs as in just 20s gland packs yeah mm-hmm. going through them oh you will go through thousands on commercial industrial jobs yeah. thousands of them but they're great they're great fun when you when you've got literally an order of like 250 gland plaques you know as an apprentice it's going to be so much practice 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 and at oh, the yeah. end of it That's you're going to be the master of that yeah, yeah. And then I know if I've not done it for a while, I'm like, oh, this one, like this one's a bit nerve wracking. The first one's always, always, always the nerve tester for me. Yeah. Once I've done one and it's gone all right, I'm like, sweet, I, I, I remember what I'm doing now. Have you tried these new storm ones? These, uh, these new no, glands are out. They're definitely tempting. They do look interesting. They make it a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. They do make it a hell of a lot easier because it, it's it's the, the the good thing about learning now in this trade, if we can say that, is I mean, when I was learning as an apprentice, we were very limited to the tools and the manufacturing materials we had, and and I think over over my career, what's happened is is there was always this rush to save money in electrical mm. contracting somehow. Yeah. But what's happened now is we've we've got to the point where we can installations are as efficient as they possibly can be. Okay, so the only thing we can now do is save money on time it takes to install. And that's Mm -hmm. where now all these innovations are coming through on all these new super tools that make things amazingly easy for sparks and quicker. Now, there's two schools of thought, depending on your age of one amazing, brilliant, save me time, but they're more expensive. And then it's the other school of thought of, well, yeah, they do. They are quicker. They are easier. But you lose the inherent skill of learning yeah. how to work with the older type of glands. Yeah, I'm a bit like that. I'd rather learn the... Because fundamentally, one day, you may not have that tool. You may not no. have that product. It's like the cable stripping. You know, that, um, that that's, what's that spinny CK tool that you put on the armour and you spin it around the cable oh, to score yeah, the yeah. armour? Now, when I, yeah. when I, I, that's been out a good 10 years or so. And I got that when that first came to market. And fresh out the pack, it was great. Three or four armours in... It started yeah. to get soft. It wasn't as Rubbish. effective. And the price of the blade was so much money. I kind yeah. of decided to bin it, and I kept going with the junior. Yeah. But nowadays, electricians are kind of raving over them. So I don't know if they've mastered or they've made the teeth sharper. I don't know. But I'm seeing them being preferred a lot more now. Well, one problem with those is that a lot of these people that review these tools and things don't actually use them every day. <laughs> they just get the tools to review and say, look, this is great, isn't it? And then that's the end of it. So... Uh, <laughs> maybe john maybe yeah john you can't say that john you can't say that you'll upset the entire internet the entire internet of free you cannot tools. say that and you have to save it for our um for a future podcast but we'll we'll, we'll do a podcast just I'll on john spin but um, no john's, I, I john's getting really keen <laughs> no i, I tried i did i it, it worked if i was for example if i was going to one job one armored one scenario i might get it for that purpose but no you yeah. need to learn you need to learn the original methods and you can then move on to the advanced tools and toys just in case you've got to go back to those methods yeah um yeah. it might be anyway 
I well, the thing is that, uh, yeah, I mean, old ways, they're not going away. They're always yeah. going to be there. Yeah. It's just you've got additional ways of doing stuff, which can be useful. But, of course, the uh, traditional ways are still going to be there no matter what. So. I'll tell you what is fascinating, I find, um, and, and hopefully, Tony, you're, you will come to realise this if you haven't already, is working even in and around the older stuff is equally as fascinating because i remember the first time i saw imperial conduit and i started seeing electrical i remember lifting up floorboards in houses and seeing this beautiful powder coated black conduit that was set around joyce and i was thinking this is utter artwork and you don't get that anymore and there's there's lots of finite educational things that electricians need to learn when working on old infrastructure homes and they differ depending on what county what part of england and the construction and the year of build so this is why i find the domestic stuff just as fascinating and in as far as i'm concerned far more complex than the industrial at least with industrial you do get designs to work to and stuff whereas the domestic you've got to think on your feet yeah and i do think like sort of in the industrial commercial industry sort of it's all sort of in front of you you can sort of see the containment once the ceilings are down once the floor the suspended floors up you can sort of see the method to their madness of how they've run their cables and why they did it like that. So you can be like, do we follow what they did originally or do we differ from it? And normally we just end up following what they did originally just because it's easier. <clears throat> you can follow exactly what they've done. We're just running in new 25 mil conduit instead of 20 mil or 50 by 50 trunk in instead of a couple of 25 mil tubes. Well, it's good for their maintainer. If you install as existing, then the maintainer yeah, doesn't exactly. have to learn or maintain in different ways. So it's, you know, exactly. but domestic, you go through someone's front door, it could be a complete, yeah. a complete minefield of anything. Yeah, domestic, you've got to have your wits about you, something rotten, I think, with domestic, because it's far more intense, far more pressurised. The homeowner thinks it's a crime against humanity just to lift up their new carpets. Oh, yeah. So, the amount of people's houses I went into when I was doing domestic saying I need to put a power supply in for this boiler and they'd be like I've just had new carpets you can't do that well you're not getting your new boiler switched on then mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah it's it's a different it's a different world of pressure but one yeah. thing I've found as well is in the old buildings especially in commercial industrial space was very limited a lot of buildings Dave you know what I'm talking about you've just seen um, a lot of it on my railway a lot of old electrical installations were designed selected and erected fine but no one ever thought about the replacement cycle. And and I'm I'm a firm believer in any time you design, and again, this is advice to anyone listening, if you ever get the chance to influence a design, make sure when you're designing a switch cupboard that on the other side of that wall is a cleaner's cupboard or somewhere where you can then in 25 years' time chuck the cleaners out and build new switch gear and transfer across and then put the switch, the cleaners cupboard in the old switch gear. And then at least for the life of the building, you've then made it a little bit easier for the electrical installer. So many, Dave, you've seen it. There's so much little tiny cupboards where but also you've got over time, you've got evolution of the, of the technology. So you've got monitoring equipment. Yep. Yeah. You've got voltage optimization equipment. You've got all this stuff that takes up new real estate in a switch gear area that initially wasn't designed to take up that new gear. And you're yeah. compromising safe working and you're squeezing and you end up having to get squash yourself in because there's no more room anymore. Or your panels have got all this extra wiring, which the manufacturer didn't intend on being done 10, 20, 30 years ago when they made the panels. Um, so, yeah, this stuff always needs to be thought ahead. Yeah. Dave, Dave's trying to wind me up now. He's talking about voltage <laughs> optimization. OK, so, John, mental note. Um, first Make space, episode, John. Your big box of rubbish. 
Okay, voltage optimization is going in it. Okay, that is a pain in my backside. Dave knows exactly why he's poking deliberately. God love him. Well, to be fair, they're a perfect height for me to rest my tools on and my camera. Yeah. That's all they were, really, that's all they were good for. They're a warm place to put your buttocks yeah. on, you mean. They're, that's they're about all they were good for. <laughs> yes. Voltage optimization is just something that just... I don't know why there was a period there was almost a decade where every single building and person went around putting them in in commercial buildings to just regulate voltage so yeah. on single phase installations you may you may set it at like 210 volts I'm sure we had great. them in domestic as well I think they tried them but they went they got, ripped, they got ripped yeah, out they, they tried to sell them on domestics but it was a massive fail because they couldn't sell it because it was too expensive to fit it was like the unit was about 700 quid plus installation. So you're looking like a grand per dwelling to put them in. On our 99% of domestic stuff, it had absolutely no effect whatsoever. And the problem is most of the ones that they sold, I think they only went up to about six kilowatts. So as soon as you turned on your electric shower or something, it cut out and just bypassed it anyway. So uh, complete and utter disaster there. So, yep, total bust. Some genius might have had an idea that brought that or boomed that idea to market. Yeah, a lot of money idea. a lot of money was made for how much money must have been made off of that so yeah. here's one for people listening though um as this is a podcast um if you've got a building that you maintain or work in that's got three or single phase voltage optimization um imagine so here's one for you actually tony so you've got a commercial building let's say yeah. and on the first floor you've got voltage optimization unit and they've um regulated it so that every phase is only 210 volts maximum so yeah. you've got to distribute that across the building. You go up five floors and then across a big office block and then go to your end of line circuit. Your yeah. voltage is going to be nothing. Yeah, I mean, even like, I'm finding now when I'm going around, I've just been testing. We've installed like 1600 RCD sockets. Jeez. So I had the wonderful wow. job going around testing them all. Nice. And, um, yeah, but yeah, we. I'm noticing, I know. I can sort of, because they're fed on power track system, uh, we didn't end up sort of messing around too much with the original power track installation. We've just reorganized it in some areas to fit the new offices and bits. But, um, yeah, when I'm going around, I know when I'm be beginning to get to the end of the track because I'm noticing the voltage drop as I'm going down. So you actually see the value just going down yeah, as you're walking away from it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, so there's every floor has three different distribution boards for certain areas. So, yeah, I can so, sort of write, yeah. oh, voltage has gone up again. It must be off that board now. And you're sort of figuring <laughs> it out as you go along. Yeah. So how many people check, though? And this is an open question here, because years ago, when I used to be responsible for an inspection and testing department, I created certificates where I made them record the voltage at time of test. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that I can actually use that data. And and the worst thing was you, you put these voltage optimization units in and you, you end up making the whole system non-compliant because yeah. somebody wants energy efficiencies that realistically are probably ain't even going to appear. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not really ideal, is it? Because, no. you know, voltage yeah. drop's one of them things, isn't it? We we try our best to avoid volt drop, but it still happens, doesn't it? If, you yeah. Know. Yeah, I mean, you have to accept it within an installation, but um, not stupid amounts. Yeah. See, again, about about 10 years or so ago, they started talking more about volt drop in training and 2391s, and we had it in the NIC books, etc. And we basically said we can't look at the number of volts because of obviously variation mm. in the supply. 
But the problem with doing that is it means our electricians on site aren't looking at the voltage because of that <laughs> fact. And yeah. so when they're walking around the factory, they might be seeing, like as you say, Tony, oh, the number is moving, but they might not join those dots. No. They might not say that's volt drop because they've been told not to look at the volt drop. No. Not yeah. to look at the value, to pre-calculate it or to do an yeah. R1, RN uh, times IB times 1.2. Um, but I do, I agree. I, if we actually look at the value of voltage at the origin and we go to the end and as we go along, we should see voltage fall as we go along and that should give us an understanding of volt drop. Um, yeah. I like the idea. Yeah, that's another one where testing the installation when it's all brand new and there's nothing connected doesn't really give you an accurate picture. Because oh, if you go back oh. when it's all fully loaded, you're going to find the voltage at the end is massively less yeah. because you've got all that massive load attached. So you go in a place, it's all brand new and nothing in it. Yeah, of course it's going to be lovely at the end because there's no <laughs> load on the system. There's no load on it. If I can just stop here to do a little plug. If, if anybody knows this chap called Sparky Ninja, he does some webinars where they talk about the hidden tests and the, the testing that we don't do. And and I think it's fair to say that we've been kind of going on a bit of a crusade recently saying that if you are doing EICR testing, it's it's while the installation is use in use is always the best way of finding the culprits. Now, data centers, I am fascinated by data centers because there's a new code of practice coming out on data centers. We know that in special locations in the reg, there is a, uh, a DC um, special location which isn't in 7671 but I think what they've done is turned that IEC standard into a um, IET book on how to deal with DC leakage because obviously there's a lot of batteries a lot of UPSs a lot of generator backup uh, I think it's fair to say that with um, data centers power resilience is key not losing that power or losing that data is mm -hmm. it's like switching off the lights to an airport runway in yeah. the middle of the night it does not happen yeah, under no circumstances. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and you will pay a fortune to make sure that does not happen, yeah. period. Well, I mean, that's something you have on your railway, though, isn't it? That kind of, you need that essential continuity of your service, even for your infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, emergency lighting, fire panels, stuff like that. It's all it's all emergency or revenue critical. That's mm. another thing as well. It's like data centers, by definition, would be revenue, you know, the power supplies to the racks, would I would classify them as not safety critical, but revenue critical. Uh, yeah. It's all the time they're running, they're making money, and when it stops, they lose millions of pounds exactly. like, very quickly as well. Exactly. Right. So moving on a little bit. So um, on your training, um, I'm sure Mr. Watts is going to jump in here now and ask you various questions because you're only you're only year two, and yet I feel yeah. like I'm speaking to someone who's already out of their time, which tells me you've yeah, got a cracking attitude on you. Very lucky. I work for a company that has such a wide range of work that you know not not sort of the average spark might have had in their first two three years of their apprenticeship they might have only got it three four years out of becoming an electrician sort of thing mm. i know i know what you mean i was i consider myself very fortunate the stuff that i learned yeah i, I look back and i'm just like do you know what there were times i went home crying i i hated it yeah. at times but it was all worth it mm. yeah 100 percent. i think and also i like to I still get involved in the moment on the jobs, but I do like step back sometimes and just sort of take in what's around me, what's actually going on. Like take on the experience of like what, what the range of work is that we're covering, what I've learned from it. And, you know, do your, do your, do your employers kind of monitor your, um, your training and how you're doing and do they kind of keep in the loop and ask you if, you know, how it's going? Um, not, massively like my employer is pretty good in the not like the way i explain it is the only reason i'm i would ever hear from him is if there's a problem 
and I've been I've been quite lucky that you know when he's had emails t- from the college to say I've done well or you know maybe I didn't achieve so well on an exam that they thought I would mm-hmm. he's always sort of contacted me and asked me but they they're not sort of massively overbearing like they're not constantly breathing down my neck asking me things like mm. and do you feel do you feel yeah. that the college is kind of doing its best for you uh it's college i'm familiar now, with Everyone now that, that i've um uh i lost lost my temper with them a little bit shall we say a little while ago That's and i good. think now they're finally doing what they should have done many years ago for me like without going into it too much i've got yeah. some special learning needs that were only picked up a couple of years ago right and um, i was like well hang on a minute you're not offering me what you should be offering me and it took what three years for me to get what i was entitled to from day one mm. and now i've got all of that it's you know it's the stress has been taken off me and even all my teachers are saying to me like oh you're doing really well i'm like yeah it's amazing how well i can do when I've got the support behind me, because I was like, if you're not supporting me, how can I, you know, make the best of it? Yeah. Do you know what? That reminds me of uh, a small story that I had when I was learning. I I had, uh, I left school with no GCSE, so I I was awful at maths and various other bits and bobs, and I was supposed to do an additional day where the college were going to put on like um, more um, maths courses, uh, computer courses, stuff like that, to help me because I was yeah. like in, in the bottom of the class in that respect. And I remember going into college and for them days, and there was a bloke who used to sign a card saying, yeah, you've done it. And I'm like, but there's yeah, no lesson. Exactly. And the That's... college, the college were openly taking government money for these courses yeah, and do. not putting the tuition on. They do. And it, that's sort of when I think, well, hang on a minute. Like even some days at, in college when I know when it's getting near the end of term, like when I've done my work, because I don't want to spend five hours in a classroom talking about what I did at the weekend with my mates. Do you know what I mean? I'm quite happy. I'm like, just You're there to learn, just... aren't you? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. Just give me the... give me what I need to do. Like, I'll do it. Tell me what I can improve on. I'll improve on it. And then, like, some days I literally sit there and think I could be at work learning a hell of a lot more than what you're teaching me now. Mm. And I say that to the teachers as well. And they just, they're not really that bothered. Can I just say that's awesome to hear because that means you have the thirst. Um, uh, when when I've always said to apprentices, yeah. anyone I've ever met, never ever be happy with your stock. Always push back. So yeah. I was I was on Excel for I think about six months doing buzz bar trunking, yeah. and then I literally rung up the managing director of the company, and said I'm bored, I want better, yeah. and I got shifted around. And every time I got he thought I was going to get bored. I was just that annoyance until he realised, develop, develop, train, train. Yeah, and I mean, my supervisor's pretty good. He's like, you all right doing this? I'm like, "Mm, it's a bit boring. But I was like, if there's nothing else for me, you know what I mean? If he can't put me on it because I'm not full enough or, you know, I'm not at a stage where I'm competent enough to be left on my own to do that job. I'm like, yeah, all right, that's fine. I don't mind doing that sort of thing. Do they, they like, regularly review your, your let's say competence with the duties that you're doing at work so for example would they regularly monitor how you've done so far and maybe say right let's 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 give you more independence let's give you more work to do by yourself or really no it just sort of sort of winging it again really it just depends on what job we're on you know some jobs again with this coronavirus and everything it has sort of changed the dynamic massively so we've gone from working four or five of us in an area to now 
maximum of two of us in an area sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We are having to try and keep social distancing the best we can, but have you, you stayed know, at work throughout? Yeah, we had we had uh, five days off just as it all started to really kick off because they were like, let's just take like a week off the seven days, but five day working week off. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if anyone develops symptoms, stay at home. So yeah, but yeah, we carried on working through. But um, it's been it's been different. I I struggle just because I'm so small. I'm only five foot two. Like I'm tiny. All the guys mm-hmm. I work with are over six foot tall, <laughs> and I'm given the job to do. And a lot of the time, I can't move the access equipment around on my own because I'm not physically big enough and strong enough to move it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's fine. But I was like. I say, I'm like, I don't want to do this job on my own. I need someone with me. And that's just, when they have to get somebody else to do it because of the just, social distancing at the moment. Just remember this, Tony. Um, everybody else's uh, weaknesses will be your strength. Because yeah, there'll be great. many, that's... many a time where nobody can fit and you will be very yeah. handy. Yeah, I had that this week. We go and we've got to go around testing all of the LCMs that we've installed. And they're squashed in between some ducting and pipe work all over the shop. And it's my job to go get the R one R two readings off them. <laughs> but Sounds I don't like... mind it. It's, it's, you know, it's better than some of the jobs that we get. So yeah, the, the the one thing that she's just raised a, a point on is with commercial is coordinated services. You're yeah. probably seeing lots of installs where stuff's just like, where's the space? Oh, um, and, and and this is where we stood in. <laughs> this is one of the problems i find anytime i go around snagging because i've spent many many years doing snagging you then yeah. read other standards and you realize everything's supposed to be space proofed you know arranged with clearances for maintenance not really done that often and it's great when it is because it sh- it sets a standard um be good to see if more companies did it but i remember i went to the tottenham ground when it was being built yeah. and the tottenham ground i can tell you now for nothing the tottenham ground um i remember looking at some air handling units and I was like, where's the isolator? And literally, I was lying on my stomach. I bet you were. To find an isolator. And I was like, this is really dumb. And, and I just thought. And you're trying to reach it. And it's just, this is stupid, yeah. And, and I'm not a small lad. There's a lot of me to love. No. And lying on that floor, I was thinking, how? I feel sorry for the spark you had to wire this up. And I just thought, yeah. these drawings, these designs, all of them should have been coordinated. And that is why a lot of companies lose money. When people moan, you know, or complain that we want bonuses or we'd like price work or job and knock, there's never any money in the jobs because the designs are never coordinated. So you can't plan access into areas because there are other trade. It's very very cyclical. It it just, it spirals out of control and delays every contractor, which is is one of the hardships of commercial, sadly. I mean, that's just our everyday struggles. I mean, a lot of the time now, we just let the mechanical boys get on. If we have to get, like, we'll get our supply cable in ready for, like, the AHUs and bits, and we'll leave it, we'll coil it up somewhere and say, just leave it there, whatever you do. Don't touch it, don't move it, leave it there so we know where it is. We'll let them get on. Is it still there we'll when run. you go back? Uh, some of the time it is, or it's been damaged, or they've yeah, taken I, the bits. We always, <laughs> I always make the mechanical boys wait. Yep. Yeah, they well, we normally they just cause so much damage. They just leave a trail of destruction behind them on a lot of our jobs. So piece of advice. One of the things that I learned ages ago, um, if you're working on a major site where there's multiple disciplines and you've got a nice uh, empty shell where the concrete's just dried off. um, One of the things that I used to recommend for a design change was basically you rack out. So you put Unistrut end to end wall to wall. You design the whole 
the whole room end-to-end uni strut but the, it's designed for the loading of the roof for the mechanical systems the electrical systems yeah. and then that way you're not having to hodgepodge stuff in and no. then what i what i always do is i i allocate spacing for the mechanical guys so they can do as least damage as possible because yeah. ductwork guys pipework guys sometimes they will oh, put ducts right up where your trunking and trays are and you'll never yeah. be able to wire them yeah i mean on that data center job we did in slough that was all again suspended off unistrat i mean guard eclipse you know it was it was quite a nice sort of mechanical build to it almost on the technical yeah. side it was it was nice to sort of see that and learn it and how it actually comes together because you look up at a blank ceiling and i didn't really sort of understand how it would come together and that's the thing as well when you're doing industrial sorry for just going on one lads but my last point on it industrial it's very much meccano building but oh, you massive. learn how you learn how to set out you learn about proper fixings you yes. learn about single point of failure of containment because that's one thing a lot of people don't do yeah. when they put cantilever brackets up and you think well there's a single point of failure there that will just go and everything will fall yeah. um, which is why i always recommend you remember brackets. there was a video about two months ago where a whole wiring system in a car park fell down did you yeah. see that on Twitter? There was a video. It was, a, it was like yeah. hundreds of meters long. Yeah, there was one one point of failure, and then the whole thing went yeah, down. It was all it. it, you know. Yeah, and that's that is that is one of the problems, and and that that funny enough is commercial fit out where it's get it in, get it cheap, bit of two by two, loads of lights bolted on, no real thought about maybe a cross piece of strut with two fixings in it, chem mm. fixed, and then yeah. put your put your trunking in it's it's Ow. always as cheap as possible and that's one of the sad things but right. anyway moving on um with your college and stuff so how long is it going to be until you're fully qualified and what course are you on at the moment uh i'm doing the city and guilds uh electrical installation level three i don't know what the course code is because they changed it a little bit they changed it they change it many times. Um, yeah, so I'm so, doing I'm doing whatever the current <clears throat> level electrical installation one yeah. is. <laughs> okay, that's great. And um, I I'm going into my third year, but because of coronavirus, two of my second year exams have been pushed into my third year. So mm. it might carry on into four years at college instead of three. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, nothing. I'd rather do four years at college and be able to take my time than do three and be so stressed that it affects my work. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Totally agree. Totally agree. There, are, there is no, in learning this trade, uh, those who run will just fall many times. Um, yeah, not, I'm open to whatever my college tutors say to that, like say to me about it. You know, I've got all the time in the world for them because at the end of the day, they're supposed to be teaching me an mm. example. But some days. I, I sort of get a gauge of who I can ask the technical questions to and who I can't because some of them are electricians by traders in there. They're out on the tool Sparky in. They run their own companies. But a couple of them are um, army-based electrical engineers or mechanical engineers. Yeah. They're coming in and teaching us. But well, the last, the last, I mean, I know the place in particular. And when I was doing my apprenticeship and I was there, the guy who, was in charge of the electrical division about three or four years ago when i was there he was actually just a technician in the workshop yeah and he no, was an electrician so yeah. it's um they've had a couple of issues but it sounds like they've been doing well so are you not in a rush to get your fully qualified gold card status or are you 
happy for it to be done as fast as it you know at the pace it ends up you know i'd love my gold card tomorrow if i if i could get it but i know it's not as simple as getting your gold card straight away because i know gold card electricians that are absolutely useless but honestly i'm Mm. more than some of them and it honestly makes me laugh some days when i'm working with a fully qualified spark and some days i just think i think i've got more experience than them and it's like i'm half your age i've been in the industry like three years Mm. and i can and i'm having to go around and redo your work um that's that's a sign of a good attitude yeah it's also a worrying sign and it's stuff you'll see regularly what my advice to you is is don't get hung up on it use that as a strength because to me i was finding the same and that's a confidence builder yeah, I redo their work and make sure I tell them their work was shit. <laughs> well, I would, what I would recommend is obviously you've got to focus on the gold card because obviously that's the yeah, journey you're on now. Priority. Once you get that, you get that in your, you put that in your wallet, you put that in your yeah. pocket, but then you look at where to go next because you've got the yeah. hunger and you've got the knowledge to move forward. Definitely. Yeah. So it, you know, if your boss is away, ever say, "Oh, you've done it, you've done it," he says, "Oh, no, 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 no. Can you support me moving this way?" And if they don't, move yourself forward. Yeah, I mean. I, the way I look at it is, yeah, the gold card is just the first step, really, isn't it, for that industry body to recognise you as slightly co- more competent than what you are as an apprentice, or you know, exactly. Yeah. But as you've said, though, so many people who hold it don't really perform to no. what it's supposed to stand for. Yeah, and obviously, once I get that, I'll, I'll go on and do my test and inspection, or even try and get that as I'm qualifying, sort of thing, as I'm coming to the end of my college while it's still all fresh. And, you know, just try and get as much as I can while Tony, I, you know, if, I'm still if, hungry for the learning. If you don't mind me saying, I don't think you're ever going to stop being hungry for the learning based oh, on what I've yeah. heard of you in the Hit the Lights podcast and just from talking yeah. to you today. Um, I, I can easily see in 10 years time you being a project engineer somewhere or managing a yeah, cat fit out. Some... I do think is going to be suited for me but i always say to the guys at work they always take the mickey and say oh you're an office gal i'm like no i'm not i was like i want to stay on the tools and i want yeah, to yeah. understand it yeah you want to serve your time and keep growing which which is massively yeah. commendable i think and a lot of it now i'm noticing these larger construction companies who we work with they're engineers that are telling us how to do their jobs are fresh out of university with an engineering degree but no background on the tools yeah and i find it really hard having someone who's not worked in the trade try and tell me how to do a job Uh, i don't know why i've a couple of people i've met are the same but i just find it really difficult well yeah i mean i get i have similar that in other areas other than engineers i get that with health and safety managers and all these people that try to tell you how to do your job how your job should work how it should be but they don't understand the actual physics of getting from a to b running things from one place to another Um, and the only way to gain that is to as yeah is to actually go through the work is to actually you know earn the experience and then you know you can either i mean there are many there are many electricians who hit the hit the uh 30 mid 30s who start to think about you know they've had enough of the tools and they want to move on but some of them some of them don't feel technically uh competent enough because they've stopped learning they've stopped learning they've been following the industry's requirements of do this you don't need to do that but if you keep yourself motivated you can stay on the tools for a number of years but when you're ready because your brain's 
thinking and you're working, you can move yeah. on wherever you want to. But yeah, you will find many times I, I, I work a lot in consultancy and I talk to so many dipsticks and Neanderthals with long letters after their name. Yeah. You know, sometimes as long as Mr. Paul Skirm. Your name isn't as long as Mr. Paul Skirm's, right? <laughs> I respect nearly. you too. Yes, nearly. I respect you too. Yeah, my name be. is not, my name's not long at all. I've got nothing after me. But right, they'll say something and then immediately I'll go, that ain't gonna work. No, exactly. That's yeah. we had it last week with these light fittings specified by the client, ordered they were made specifically, everything. Uh the light fittings are just shy of five hundred mil uh like in diameter. They yeah. wanted to fit them in a 500 by 500 ceiling grid. So it was like, right, okay, we'll do it. So we plopped it in, didn't fit in the grid. He was like, I can see you've cut the tile. We were like, yes, because we told you six weeks ago they weren't going to fit in the ceiling grid. But right. he, that's on you now. You've now seen the light up. We told you this. And he's like, oh, well, it's like, well, it's your problem now, mate, not ours. <laughs> <laughs> can and I just say? The lights aren't up. If you don't mind me saying, Tony, um, one of the things in my career, because, again, I don't I don't have one of those degrees and stuff. And, yes, I've got letters yeah. after my name. When you walk onto any site, if you walk in with a good attitude, yeah. uh, what I like to call um, gas syndrome, give a shit. You can yeah. walk into rooms with 10, 15 engineers, different health and safety managers. You can listen to it and your brain will immediately go. But I've built that. I've done that. That won't work. Yeah, the switch gear won't fit. The ceiling yeah. grid won't fit. None yeah. of this is coordinated. The yeah. whole room will not be thinking the way you were thinking. Oh, no, mm. So then when you get to the end of the meeting and you're being all polite because you're new in all of this stuff, you'll put yeah. your hand up and you'll just go, has anybody here ever actually built anything? Yeah. Now, I've done this <laughs> and the room all answered no. And I went and then, I then started to systematically tell them what they'd done was wrong and how and why. And the directors of the client client just went, yeah, what he said, okay. Yeah, and then you end up getting sucked into management. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I care about my job. Like, I love my job. I care about it. Because at the end of the day, if I'm not happy with what, I'm, what I've put up, if I'm not physically happy with myself, how's the client going to feel about it? Do you know what I mean? If they look at it and go, oh, that looks shit. If I say that as well, then do you know what I mean? If, yeah. if I'm not happy with the way it looks, I'm going to change it. The yeah. trouble is, Tony, a lot of clients don't actually know what they're looking at. All they want to see is lights and sockets and an end date. Yeah. Um, it's The hardest thing is is educating the client. And me yeah. and Dave have been on, we've had lots of debates over this after the last few months. There's a method I use, the Janet and John method, where you have to talk to them in a, in a way that isn't condescending, but is very simplistic, but in a yeah. different way. I, is... If we don't do it properly, this will impact you more later on. Yeah, exactly. That's that's basically how we have to do it now. Even like we're given all the architectural drawings and bits and bobs, and we just look at it and go, "That is the biggest load of rubbish ever." Architecture. But, and we do a lot of design and build, so a lot of it is take the drawing with a piece of salt. It is what it is, sort of thing, you know. We yeah. we can r- roughly go with it, but if it doesn't fit there, it's not going there. It's as simple as that sort of thing. They're just mm. going to have to take it as it is or find somebody else to do it uh, john just because tony once again you've given me a phenomenal john can we put architects um in your big box <laughs> yeah. of rubbish please that's one from me as well yeah. and can we can we chuck procurement in there as well procurement a, yeah a mental note no it's it's a it's a very valid point uh Tony, because i've seen it as well um because yeah. 
you take and, and you just you know you're supposed to follow the diagrams follow the drawings follow the instructions okay. you're just yeah you know, you're just a pair of hands to make their genius That's, work at yeah. the end of the day aren't you you know you haven't got your own brain to say this is bullshit no, um exercise <laughs> exactly exercise it and um as paul said if you have the opportunities you know verbalize it with your bosses whatever okay. question it and then they'll listen and they'll realize that you're actually sharper than the other people who aren't bringing yeah. these problems to them and if you regularly come up with these questions on design you are going to be given more opportunities to manage and you'll go up further yeah exactly yeah yeah so keep doing that it's great yeah. The thing is, if with people who've got like like you said, like people who've got degrees or whatever, come at universities or whatever, just because they've got a degree in whatever, or they've got like fifty letters after name or whatever, it doesn't mean that they're always going to be right, and it doesn't mean they necessarily know more than you do. Yeah. It just means they went on a course once and got some letters and things after name. So, yeah. just be just be aware that that in itself doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. Can I just? Oh, no. just can I just jump in hard here because I've got letters after my name. Mr. So. Professional Registration comes in. Quick. All right, this this is no 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 no. So let me just say one thing, uh, Tony. If you ever get letters after your name, make sure they mean something to you. Yeah. Because yeah. my boss said that to me, and I never thought I'd get letters after my name. And every single set means something to me. And I'll tell you now, having no formal qualifications were a bastard to get. <laughs> yeah. But it does open doors and it does, it does make people listen to you. Unfortunately, you'd think common sense would make people listen to you. But when they see the letters after your name, they do it. What's the word? It just relaxes them a little bit, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, them a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. So you're you're going to soon start level three. So um, oh, you're doing, you're, you're doing MVQ? I'm halfway through the level three course and yeah, I've pretty much completed right. my EQ. I've just got to do my testing when they come out to site to watch me test. Okay. All right. So you're doing I've, your level three. I've basically completed my MVQ in a year and a half, give or take. Yeah, but because, long because it's a four year course, obviously they're saying they don't want me to do my test until right at the end, which is fair enough. So I'm way ahead of the game on it. Awesome. What are you planning on what are you planning on doing after you've done this? After you've done you after you've got your your level three done, you you, you said you think about going straight into your your testing. Yeah, I'll definitely get the testing under my belt because the guy that I'm working with now, he sort of even picked up on it now with me. He just tells me to go around, I get readings, I shout them out to him. He's like, set the meter up, do this, do that. You know. And, like, and do you kind of like uh, understand the numbers and things? You don't just I'm only understanding it, and you know, yeah. something uh, we had it the other day. So we were testing our ring that we installed. It was like, something's not right here. Something's not adding up. We were getting a, a mega ohm reading, but it was something like four point something mega ohm. It's like, nah, this is not right. I was like, that is really high. And someone yeah. had mixed up, mixed up the neutrals and that in the board. That wasn't oh, okay. arguing. This was what was originally installed. So mm. this, like, that yeah. can happen. Sometimes you find other people's issues when you do your own initial yeah. modifications, don't you? Yeah, and that's one of the things in the regs that's actually wrong because if you look in BSM system and it says, oh, minimum values for installation resistance is like one mega or something, but no one should ever accept that as a minimum because that's completely nope. hopeless. If you've got a new installation and it come up with like yeah. one, you'd be like, what's going on here? This is completely useless. But unfortunately, it's in there and it says, oh, minimum of one. And someone puts in and it says, oh, two. Oh, that's fine. Then just tick the box. And it's like, no, it's not fine at all. It is a stupid yeah. number, isn't it? Why? Yeah, it should be Why is 500 plus, there? really, on a new. But, uh... um, there's another one for John Ward's big box of rubbish, yeah. IR values. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And obviously, good they say they obviously, you know, like the regs book state was permitted. But I think yeah. the more you test, the more you sort of you get to understand the results, and you know, you know, your test meet yourself whether it's right or wrong, don't you? I think as you get, you know, yeah, you should do. Yeah, so we've had it a couple of times where we've gone, oh, that reading's a bit different. We're not used to that. And we've gone around and it's literally just been a loose connection. And it's like, oh, that's better. That's a better reading now. We'll take that. I think nowadays with test read test kits, they all seem to do things slightly different. Years ago, it was very common with the analog kits. Now they're all a little bit more complex and a bit more electronic-y based. But um, just one bit of advice. Um, You've probably heard it before. Um, Chapter 13, there's six pages read that and you'll know yeah. more than everybody who works around you sadly um, yeah. and that then links to all the rest of the cpd you will ever do in the application of that one standard um yeah. we're going to move on i've got some more questions uh, unless you have some more um but i would like to ask you about because you're a learner in this yeah. industry how are you finding using social media as a learning or are you using social media and is it a positive or negative experience for you recently i've started using it a bit more definitely as a positive thing like i've been watching david's youtube videos sorry i think yeah everybody watches david's youtube videos. honestly before i even sort of found the e5 group and that i started when i started my level two course you can blame john ward for my videos by the way <laughs> yeah and yeah you know and then following you guys on social media again and then you find it's, you sort of go down a rabbit hole, but not a really negative one, quite a positive one, because you find other people so similarly minded to you and doing the same sort of work as you. Mm. And I've learned, yeah, just learning a lot, watching, I've uh, seen people post stuff on Instagram and that as well, like the photos of their work. And someone might comment, oh, why did you do it like this? And then say, we had to do it like this because of these circumstances. Mm. It's like, right, OK, cool. See, like, I, I never, I, think, I never had that. Obviously, with my apprenticeship. So, do you find yeah. that that? Do you find that that gives you a second angle of looking yeah. at the industry as you enter it? Do you find it a good thing? Uh, not necessarily. I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent a good thing because it's so negative now. Social media. Mm. I mean, I posted a picture the other week of my sister's car. Uh, my sister's a mechanic. She's been a mechanic five years now. Yeah. Um, she teaches it for a living now. Like, so I'd like to, you know what I mean? I like to hope to know she, what she's doing. And um, I just posted a picture because we painted her brake calipers. And a couple of the guys started ripping into me. And then, Why? And I was like, I was because the tire was a bit flat. And they're low profile tires as it is. They're not, right, okay. you know what I mean? Now, I'm not massively technical on it. They fit lower. And I was like, also, I didn't further on in the conversation i was like also what you didn't realize was half half the car was still jacked up i was like i'm not stupid enough to drive a car with flat tires so i just blocked him and then another one another guy said something i was like i think my sister's a mechanic more than you are electrician or something i said to him Mm. everybody's a critic nowadays on social Uh, do you know what i think the whole coronavirus thing has made i think it's made people worse i think the the internal stresses of the coronavirus and the depression that it's caused has made people far more fractious and yeah it's mm. i don't think it's what is great. inevitable is that people do take their personal circumstances their personal aggressions out on their behaviors on social media mm-hmm. most of the, most people do and you can often tell when you get to know people you can often tell if they're having a good day a bad day if they're going quiet you can tell something's up 
yeah. you know, very few people are pretty much black and white um, on yeah. social media. Um, and it is it's um, it's saying that I mean, obviously as, as as we're kind of moving forward, we are. I mean, Twitter in particular, we're starting to become yeah. less engaging because yeah. there's just so much repercussions with what you can contribute. Yeah, and people, you know, one person says something, then another person joins in, and then it gets shared round, and then you're like, whoa, hang on a minute, this is all out of control, and I can't control it at all. Uh, so it's, I think it's, I mean, for me, it's a case of just, you know, get out of it what you want to get out of it and then leave yeah. the rest of it well alone. I think it's the people that hang in, hang out in it. People that yeah. hang in there because, you know, they've got nothing else to do. Or maybe they maybe they think it's like a fam to stay in there. Yeah. I think those are the people that get a bit lost or kind of lose the way. Um, I just go in, do something, I leave. Yeah, yeah. I think, exactly. is it fair to say that everyone at some point in their lives has had some form of subtle addiction to social media when facebook came out i was poking people like mad and i had to just walk away from it and there's been many a times when i've had to delete all my apps off my phone um i remember once i got a notification said oh you've used like nine hours today on your phone i was like "Ooh, okay this has got to stop and it'd be like right switch off a twitter account or just delete something or just stay away luckily work keeps me busy enough as it is and talking to these misfits but um yeah it can be quite um it can be quite harsh and toxic and i think we've become maybe over the last year more resolute now that to just engage with people who genuinely want help and support and those who just want to fight see you later yeah just not even give them the time of day because they want you to sort of fight back because you know that's the thing is it they want you to respond and if you respond you're giving them what they want is it fair to say we've got quite a bit of that dave yeah, fair to say, buddy. Have you noticed that John doesn't get that, and that's because he's a gangster? People, people know not to mess with John. People know not to mess with John. When you tweet, with John. when you tweet, Twitter stops. Yeah. Okay, just to put it in context here, John, when John tweets, Twitter stops. Okay, let's just put it yeah. out there. He's a gangster in a tracksuit. John's because uh, John's got Loves obviously the years of experience with YouTube, and he's been looking at YouTube comments. He knows what social media is like before he's really. Got that, yeah. deep in it, and he yeah. knows that there's just so many people out there that don't give you anything back. No, that, you know, it, yeah. it's hard, it's hard. The mistake is that if you get people like that, I mean, there's some pretty horrendous comments which come in often. Uh, the mistake is to start replying to them and getting engaged with these people because it will never ever stop once yeah. you start no. getting into arguing with these people. It's, they it's, want you to argue with them yeah. because they seem to get a kick out of it. I don't, I still don't understand why though, because they're yeah. assholes. Yeah, again, like us, we've all got a full time job to go to. It's like, sorry, I don't have time to. It's, it's jealousy. It's jealousy, and the thing is, is uh, um, one of our wonderful E five brother said something which has stayed in my mind quite a bit, and that is, offence is never given, but very often taken. Yeah. And and do you know what? I, I the amount of abuse, and I'm going to say it straight now, the amount of abuse we've had for doing what we do is absolutely mind blowing. To be perfectly frank, um, yeah. just shockingly bad and and i have to just close my ears close my see no speak no hear no evil and just keep plodding along just ignore it it's it's easier (laughs) Mm -hmm. right um moving on very quickly um i've got a couple more questions unless the lads have got other questions um it depends what your questions are buddy what your questions are well i was going to ask her in her time in the industry does she have any standout manufacturers and bits of equipment that she thinks are really cool and help her in her job and um you know that sort of stuff and if if she could 
maybe change or improve things from her experience so far what would she do mm-hmm. they were my kind of questions all right well just do you do one of yours and i'll do one of mine then you do one of yours okay cool so um in your time here we go i won't edit that that'll just be raw yeah. and random raw. so That's in your doing. time in in your time in the electrical industry have you on your site seen any good products gear switch gear anything that you think this is either brilliant or really should just be thrown in John Ward's big box of rubbish? I mean, sort of switch gear-wise, we try and stick to Schneider. Good girl. 100%, we stick to Schneider. And, you know, I say for me, because I'm so small, my only my only little issue with them is the earth bar at the top. Yeah. Oh, the layers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. I can't always reach the earth bar. I can reach everything, you know, this, the bottom section of the board perfectly but when it gets to like the top section even when the board you know the board's mounted as it is i still struggle with the earth bar sometimes right yeah but um, yeah schneider in general i love their stuff i love their products you know i i wish they would um kind of because they do some very basic uh testers don't they little socket yeah. testers voltage indicators they're green in color they don't seem to yeah. push them as a large market. I'd like to try those out. I'm surprised yeah. they don't push them more. Schneider are monstrous, though. Yeah. They're huge. They are huge. You go on their website, you will be lost for eternity. Yeah, they're sort of absorbed a load of other brands into themselves. They're sort of massive. They have, yeah. They're basically huge corporation. I mean, the Hager click system is brilliant. The click row system with Hager. I mean, we only use that now. Like Even our LCMs will... We'll give it an individual click row so you can plug the LCM in. So if you ever need to do maintenance Just unclick. on that LCM, unclick it. You don't have to worry about going and annoying the whole office and isolating, you know, individual See, lines. I've, I've you know. seen them. I've seen them. And I, I actually thought about using them in my house Yeah. because you could just literally put them next to a fuse board and take the flexes and just run them out um, up yeah. into the rooms. Just get a really long yeah. flex and yeah. just wire them like that. I'm always yeah. after really good, maintainable ways of doing yeah, things. The only thing is, there is a limit on how long, obviously, some of their flexes come as well. So yeah. we've had it a couple of our runs. We've ended up having to chuck two five flex just because of the voltage drops and bits like that on them. Yeah, we did um, we did an office about this about a few years ago now, and we had those in. And we, the main reason it was spec is so that we could easily do IR testing. So we yeah. just un unclick, and then you can yeah, you know exactly. you can just IR test everything. Yeah, same class, really. Uh, what else? I mean, we always come across really rubbish stuff, to be honest with you. Silly little things like some of the brands of FP clips we get, or even the FP200 we get. It's just rubbish sometimes. Like the insulation on it is so. Like, you can tell when you get bad cable, though, can't you? Because that insulation like, just. Rubbish. I'm like, give yeah. me some good to work with, please. Uh, I think, yeah, it's just sort of, again, just cheap cabling, cheap flexes. Some of the SWA that we get is really cheap rubbish. You can just tell the difference in quality from the really cheap stuff the wholesaler had in stock compared to the slightly more expensive mm. stuff that we normally get. Do you spec a specific brand or do you just go with what the wholesaler has on the shelf? Uh, I think we normally go with like Prism and bits like that. We normally, yeah. but it's more with what, the client specs or what comes in the M&E package of what to spec. But yeah, sometimes it is on the off charge, whatever the wholesaler's got that they can get to us that same day. 
And yeah. that's the that's the problem. If I can interject there, because we had yeah. a job where we had to run a one eight five four core armored, yeah. and in the spec it had a manufacturer or equivalent. And yeah. so we went to the wholesaler and give us the cheapest you can do, and we got some armored, and it literally came from Spain. And yeah. we had to install this through a railway station. We got it all in, all pulled in. Guy went to mega test it, and it was dead shorted. And when we when we eventually stripped this cable down, we found there was a manufacturing defect, and two of the cores. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're touching yeah. on a 1854 core. It was about 400 meters of the stuff, and you're, you're bang on right. There is some awful cable. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use either uh, unless it's Doncaster cables or Prismian. Um, yeah. Generally UK made. Um, that's it really. But I only ever use three core and five core now. That's it. LSF. That's that's what yeah. I'm expecting for my stuff. That's all we ever install. You're saying you know you're saying three core five core because you're specifying basically that four core three phase neutral. You would not want the protected conductor to be the armor. You'd want a dedicated core. Yeah, I want a dedicated CPC inside. Yeah. Inside and then the armor. It is a supplementary one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What about tools? Uh, tools. Um... Specific marines or anything? Because I got... have I have screwdrivers with tape on them still, as Paul can yeah, shame, shamefully put... observe me using the past few weeks. I need new tools. I've a couple of screwdrivers recently to get into places where they probably shouldn't get into, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Get the job done. Yeah, is that an Irizola? It is Irizolas. I've still. It's really sad that I've got a drawer full of tools and TTC uh, cutters and. But um, I stay clear of CK because I bought like really? screwdrivers. Every single one of them I broke. I think I think my, my I think my terminal CK's always snapped. Yeah, always. Um, CK seem to be getting a, more and more bad bad rap now online for the quality just not yeah. being there anymore. The only thing I've still got of CK are the snips, just their normal side cutter snips, because I use them just for cutting stuff that yeah, you probably cut with snips. Yeah, <laughs> I have some of those in here. That's all, pretty much all that survived for me. And those yeah. cable shears, I've, my screwdrivers are pretty much um, all broken now. Yeah, tools wise, like I use Nipex grips and things like that. I, I don't, I don't want to sound like a proper snob, but I don't see the point in scrimping on tools. I'd rather go for a known brand that I know is better quality. I I used to kind of do this. What I'd do is I'd have my. Can you remember the um, CK engineering case, which was that blue? Yeah, yeah. I think they still sell it. I'd yeah. have my insulated screwdrivers in there and I'd, I'd pay full whack, you know, proper stuff, which was CK yeah. at the time. But then I'd go to the flea market to get the more perishable tools, like yeah. the bolsters, the chisels. And I'd go down there yeah. every weekend. You know, uh, we used to call it Harrods because it was an old it was an old co-op that had been converted to a to a market. And yeah. I'd go there every weekend because you get these places and it's just it's just it's just a, a maze of tools and tool, you'll find tools you didn't even know existed. So I can confirm that David's tools are crap. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> and David's tools need an upgrade. Yeah, um, Come back, again, Alex. Exhibitions are rubbish. Yeah, I mean, also we we're quite lucky. So we've got these REMS machines that automatically thread our conduit. Oh, that's luxury oh, that is, isn't wow. it? Goodness yeah, I've got two of them. We've been, I think, yeah, two the last, yeah, because the last job we did was three years. You are spoiled. Yeah my boss just invested in two rems machines because the amount of tube work we were throwing in okay do you know what if you're chucking it in yeah. as we said earlier though if those failed you've got the thread oh, you've we, got those skills guys with us 100 yeah, yeah. and oh, sometimes right. it's quicker and easier because we can't find a power supply to drag the 110 lead around with us so we're like just give me the stock and die and i'll oh, get on with it I'm, I'm sure makita will make a battery one in a couple of years they're making everything oh, yeah. right now. Yeah. 
I did a job. If you don't mind me saying, I did a job where we had to do 32 mil conduits buried in a railway platform. And we went out and bought some of the very early threading or like drill attached threading uh, devices. And um, me and another bloke, we we started off doing the manual. Then we started to use these drill ones. They didn't last very long because they were very early stuff but the we always had the apprentice doing the threading and stuff yeah. we never let them use the tool the electric tools because we wanted no. them to get the build the <laughs> arm strength up the arm the other way around i'm like i know where the rem machine is i'm gonna go get the rem <laughs> grab it and if someone <laughs> says and someone who says no i want it, you can go but i'm small i'm only five foot two yeah exactly yeah, that exactly i'm not very strong i'm only little <laughs> <laughs> and they'll all say yeah all right then go on then yeah, you yeah, have the tools I'm not, the rails machine i've got the lead come on let's get on with it <laughs> right okay so dave have you do you have any more questions I just, wanted, I just wanted to highlight the obvious which is that you are a lady in the industry and you mentioned earlier on about you've having some experience where they said that you're more of an office girl or something you said some of the people yeah. said on site so i just wanted you basically just to give us uh just a little opinion on how you feel the industry has been for you to approach to enter and your experience on site yeah uh, i mean i've been really quite lucky because i think in the eyes of my boss my gender doesn't really make any difference on my ability to do my job or nothing like he's been pretty good about it all amazing That's all the sites that i work on are extremely like high up they're big construction companies i get my own toilet you know on the site i'm on now and the site before uh my toilet had a key code on it so it only oh wow cool so the well you've got like your own dedicated welfare consideration yeah they're very like the guys that i'm with yeah they're very good they do look after me like they even bought me different toilet roll to what the, the guys get as well bits like that and, that's, uh, quite, that's quite commendable i think it yeah not, but to be fair once i'm in my ppe and that some people don't realize i'm a girl even when I open my mouth, they're they're still not sure. They just think I'm a prepubescent teenage boy. And, I've had it. and with my name being Tony, they literally don't know what to expect when someone turns up. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I I had it once when I was doing work experience. The first company I did my work experience for, he literally like had a full on paddy because I was female. He didn't basically want me because it was a massive issue that I was female. Apparently. See, I have no time for those sorts of people. Oh, I can tell you now. And I'll be honest, he was a massive pig. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I can tell you now. Some of the best, some of the best people I've worked with have been ladies, and I, I've got a couple of people working with me now who are just off the charts, world class at what they do, um, and again have to suffer the prejudices of our industry. Yeah. And there is plenty of it about um, me. Yeah. You know me, Dave. I couldn't care sex, gender, race, color, whatever. Don't care. Well, that's today. Even with today's modern climate, we know it's hard for us. For us, we don't really have any kind of observation or any kind of discrimination oh. for gender or skin color. To to, yeah. to hear people claim prejudice, we need to hear it so that we can obviously oh, yeah. still yeah. believe it um, and understand it. Um, but it's great to hear that your employer yeah. and that your your experience is is yeah, uh, I mean, not prejudiced too much. That just genuinely don't like women in general, so I just stay clear of them or. If they make stupid comments towards me, I just don't bite at it because I'm like, again, that sort of person will want me to bite at their horrible sexist comment. Mm. And you know, yeah, I, I, in all fairness, I would probably tell them to go and f fuck f off. To be honest with you, try not to swear. I just give them the whole I sort of cold shoulder shoulder move. I'm like, 
just not interested i'm not going to give you the time of day i'm busy working (laughs) so you don't feel though that obviously uh there are any obstacles to you no you to move forward and progress only my only your height for the height get yourself some shoes with thicker soles oh no i'm like damn i forgot my high heels today i can't do that job but yeah no i've been extremely lucky i think i don't know whether it's just luck of the draw with the companies like the big construction companies we work for but you know i think there's in all fairness i think a lot of the uh, in recent years a lot more major construction companies have become more aware that they need to do more to just be more inclusive rather than be sat in the stone age with loads of you know yeah. burly old men sat in cabins and, and, you know, and welfare um regulations and things like that and it's just like exactly. come on guys wake up there is regulations set in stone like you've got to deal with it whether you want to or not <laughs> yep yep rather than just the penny pinching corner cutting um yeah. well we can't afford another cabin malarkey um i oh. find the best companies the ones that do the best jobs the ones with the best corporate attitudes yeah. um i've always said this before whatever hat or hive you ever wear um in your career it's always the people that make the jobs it's never the, yeah. the the major company, their logo, their brand. It's always decent people with the right attitudes, yeah. the right passions. And they're the jobs that when you leave, you miss. You miss the 100%. people. You never miss the, the high vibe or the, the logo. Yeah, you don't miss the actual job itself. You miss the people you work with, yeah. It's yeah. the people that makes the environment fundamentally, yeah. isn't it? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Especially if you get a good team going and everybody's sharing. I like I like when yeah. I worked on well, jobs where people share. Indeed. Right, Dave, you got any more questions? No, that was it really. I'm glad I mean I'm glad that you've found it a great experience. Now yeah. we're gonna we're just gonna move on to John Ward's uh, discussion about mutual capacitance. So this should be a nice easy one. No, John, uh serious, do you have any questions for Tony before I ask my last question? Uh, no, and I think when you did all those RCD sockets in the hundreds of them, what type of RCD were they? Were they type ACs or were they type A's? I think they're type A's. They're all tight. Oh, that's a lucky answer, then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Even I was panicking. Are these, um, these you say these are RCD sockets? Were these in data center for selectivity purposes? Is this is what yeah. they were. So, right, so, that makes sense. It's existing floor track system, power track system. It's just fed by a 40 amp MCB on yeah. a, un, a dedicated underfloor uh, fuse board, a three phase. It's, it's just on one phase, it's all single phase. And um, yeah, and it's got a clean earth system and things like that. So they're all very hot on. They just wanted Leakage. just for simplicity. We're just going to put RCD sockets. But it makes sense though to protect yeah. the installation to arrest the leakage before it gets yeah. too much in an exactly. accumulative manner. So well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it, it's a great way of regulating leakage from a massive building. You know, if somebody is pouring out DC leakage or any sort of AC leakage, that you arrest it at the table or at the bank or at the equipment. They're everywhere. It's mm. the like the power units and that that they're plugging into these are ridiculous. The amount of sockets. And you so know, if you have so if you have RCD sockets that technically are there for selectivity, how much? I mean, how much of these are connected to a single circuit? Uh, Roughly. Probably ten, maybe. Okay. Right. Ten, maybe twenty in some areas. Okay, and they are, and the device obviously there's no RCD upstream from that, is there? Everything. Uh, no. 
Only so it'd be, it'd be interesting if they find out how much leakage current there is collectively on yeah. on, on data centers. I guess all, like what we're doing at the minute, because there's no load attached to it, we're just getting. But yeah, it would definitely be interesting. We did the Xbox testing room as well. They've had a whole new room, uh, two hundred and ten just double double switch sockets. There was like thirteen circuits we pulled in for that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what would be interesting is just to see the leakage you get from the existing systems. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah some of it, yeah, would be very interesting to see. It's locations like this will help us educate our understanding on DC and leakage yeah. overall, which is obviously a, lot... a learning journey we're on right now. It yeah. is massively. Um, okay, so um, very last question because um, this is going to be a long one, which but it's a good one. Um, if you had one, two, or three wishes for yourself or the industry, uh, what would they be? Um, I suppose it's just I wish people weren't so old-fashioned and so stuck in their ways of, you know, I think people just need to embrace the change in the industry a bit more because whether they like it or not, it's going to have to change, whether it's for safety, whether it's, you know, because at the end of the day, if someone's going to lose their life over something, it needs to be made safer. No matter, you know, whether it costs a thousand pound or whether it costs one pound, it still needs to happen, doesn't it? That's, totally, that's a really yeah. that's better than John Ward's two that he gave us. So come on, yeah. is, is there any more? Because that's you know, really good. Going around at the moment, you know, like the Black Lives Matter. No, but genuinely, seriously, every life matters, no matter what colour you are, no matter what gender you are. If the system's not safe, make it safe. There's no excuse, really, is there? Yeah, yeah, so, totally agree. Good. Any any yeah. other thoughts or wishes that you may have? No, just for I guess guys and girls in the industry, just to embrace it and embrace the change, and again, just want to learn a little bit more about it to understand it. It's not. Don't say that. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm not in. You know, why don't you want to know about it? Have a how, read into it or how, understand. How? How long have you been in this industry? I mean, or, or uh, watching watching this industry? Probably four years, but only out on the tools for free. And have you seen change in that time? So when the 18th edition rolled in, I saw a little bit of change, yeah. Because obviously the premature collapse of um, installations and bits like that. Yeah. Um, I think I do think like, like your fire um, podcast and that, the effects you know, the fire can have on a building. It's it's ridiculous, really, isn't it? If you think about it, again... Oh, the um, oh, you have no webinar. idea how many people we upset with all of these webinars and podcasts about yeah. fire and... I, I, it, it just, you know, it just opens your eyes and makes you realise that the guys and girls who are giving you the plans and the drawings aren't really understanding how they work and why they have to be a certain way, necessarily. Mm. I just well, think... There needs to be a lot more education on it. A hell of a think, lot more. I think we need to be selecting and erecting installations with more of a conscience 100%. as well. And I've always said that that premature collapse reg is one of those social responsive. If you could ever have a socially responsible regulation, that is the that's one. And that's the one yeah. that we shouldn't be arguing over. And yet, as right. an industry, people lose their minds over it. Yeah. Mm. And the same with RCDs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. AFDDs, SPDs, yeah. even though we still don't understand much about them. Well, the, pro the problem, we yeah. Use them. 
I mean, the biggest problem we have with RCDs is really is it's really proving the lack of actual technical knowledge that electricians have. We've been told to install devices. We've been told devices achieve safety, but we clearly yeah. don't understand the actual yeah. theory or phenomena of what the device is doing because we're questioning yeah. we're questioning it now. Um, but those are great answers. Yeah, I think that's all. Yeah. And I'm just grateful that there's guys like you out there that are actually wanting to try and make a difference and voice your opinion on these things because a lot of the stuff that you guys have said already I'm agreeing with, but I'm nodding my head at the podcast as I'm listening, like, you find like you're making sense like you're you're saying what everyone's thinking sort of thing well now you can nod ahead nod to yourself now when you're listening yeah, exactly. to this when this is out <laughs> yeah. which is which is going to be weird because me and dave we listen to these back just to try and remember yeah. the stuff we discussed and oh i'm still yeah. going through the lightning ones right now actually yeah um, i'm gonna need to listen to them 10 times we we sort of cross paths with lightning protection a lot and there's mm. still a lot that to be learned about that right so last wish if any and then we'll we'll end this one um uh i wish them to make better access equipment for people as short as me <laughs> very valid you, you, forward. Of, you officially are now more competent than john ward and david who only could come up with two two wishes yeah no, so congratulations um tony just a quick one do you have any test kit uh i believe the lovely gary has ordered me a set of test probes because i have an unreliable set of martindale voltage indicators but they just bleep at whatever so i've sort of been them and i believe gary's ordered me a set and they should be here tomorrow who is gary sorry uh, gary from hit the lights oh, oh gary, gary. has mr yeah. order done that god bless yeah. him okay can i level him up can I level them up, Dave? So what I'm going to do, because um, we like a giveaway. No, we don't actually. We hate giveaways. <laughs> but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give this to you. So oh, we, wow. got, we got sent this by Mega uh, as a freebie, and I've already got one. So uh, I bought I bought my own one, and they sent this one. And I was just like, well, great. Thanks for that. But um, we've been looking for someone to give it to. And so since you're a learner and you're super keen and passionate, um, if you send me your address, I'll put this in the post. But this is an awesome bit of kit. Dave knows what I'm talking about. It's um mega DCM three oh five earth yeah. leakage clamp meter. Thank so, you. So you can have that. There you go. So now you'll have a, a proper set of probes and an earth yeah. leakage meter to develop your um your knowledge of how these installations are behaving. Yeah, thank you for that. Good, it gets it out of my drawer finally. I'm like, <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> oh, thank God. Right. Um, should we end this, lads? Any other questions? No, but I'd like maybe to um, catch up with you, you know, obviously, you know, don't be a stranger, but especially yeah, when you come through to having done your level three and stuff moving forward, because, you know, we want we want to find out what, you know, get updates and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm always sort of floating around social media. So. I think what David's trying to say in a very succinct manner is please come back and I'm, let's do a I'm few sure more of these. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Right. Well, if there's no more questions, uh, Tony, thank you very much. Where can we find you on social media exactly for anyone listening? Uh, I've got Instagram. I've got Twitter. But I'm just under Tony on Twitter, I believe, because I struggle to get my actual name on there. I think okay. I'm just Tony. And on Instagram, I think I'm under Tony Kellaway. Okay, doke. Uh, yeah, and I'm on Facebook, but I'm not really, I don't really like to advertise it too much. It's a private Facebook. 
page. Yeah, I, do you know, I get a lot of people from the industry adding me on Facebook, and I'm yeah, like, I've I don't even chart. know you. I've had that yeah. lately. I've like, who? Who? I don't who? know these And my people. darling wife posted a photo of me today with my son on my shoulders and my other son slapping my face from behind me. It's an ugly photo. And obviously now people from the industry are liking it. Yeah. I was like, hang on. So, uh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. my Facebook's a bit private. Yeah. yeah. Same here. Yeah. same here um but anyway right well tony i'm just going to finish up by saying i'm absolutely spellbound by your attitude i think it's awesome oh, there you are. um i think you're going to do well because you've got the um you've got the right attitude to be perfectly yeah, frank and if there's anything we can do to help you along that journey um please ask and please come back and um thank you very much everyone for listening please like and subscribe because we're supposed to say that and uh, until the next one, and wherever that may be, and whatever topic it may be, um, thank you very much. Take Cheers. care of yourself bye, bye, and bye. each other. Bye. bye.